Matthew 24, you may be seated. We'll read some scriptures together. As we'll mention in a moment, this is the parallel passage from Sunday night that we discussed. And it's interesting to me, I've studied Matthew 24 and Luke 21 and also in the Gospel of Mark where it discusses the same end times for over 40 years. And almost always people get so hung up in these timelines and well, what does this mean and when and all these little details, they completely ignore, completely miss the most obvious admonitions Jesus gave us and the disciples from them. And so Sunday night, tonight, and possibly one more night um, in Mark, we'll look at these again. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 1, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left one here, one stone upon another, that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us when, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Father, please help us tonight. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we know that the question the disciples asked of our Lord, and we know that the answer he gave could have fallen into their ears and then onto the ground, never to be heard or known again. But we see and know that you've placed both, all of it, in this your eternal word and have done so for a reason, and I pray we will hear and heed that reason in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to look down Matthew 24, and notice what it says, familiar words, of course, in verse 6. Jesus said, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, when the Lord says, Ye shall hear of wars... Words mean things, right? When he tells the disciples, you're going to hear about wars, you do understand he's not talking about necessarily a war in your own backyard. This is not you fighting a war. It's not even your children being sent off to an actual war. This is a war that someone else is waging, but you hear about it. You're going to hear about wars. Most every day... We have all heard about the war in Ukraine. In fact, for the past 11 and a half months, it'll be a year in February, we have heard about that very real war. But we don't see the shelling outside of our door or window. We don't hear the gunshots down the street. We don't feel the rumble of tanks. So that the Lord Jesus is talking again about hearing news. The news of actual war. News that has the potential, therefore, to discourage, frighten, and trouble the people of God. And of course, it doesn't even have to be actual war. It could be just the possibility of a war. Verse 6 again. And ye shall hear of wars and, what's it? Very familiar, rumors of wars. Now again, folks, there it is. It's not just actual war and bloodshed, but even the potential for war, the very rumor, people talking about maybe or the coming or I heard, also has the effect 
of bringing fear to our hearts and minds. And as the Bible says, fear hath torment. So what the Lord is showing us here is that the future of the world from the first century all the way up to this very moment tonight, that it would include not just the horrors of war itself. I've never lived in a war zone. Some of you have. How many of you have lived or been to war? Raise your hands. One, two, some of looks like the Korean War, most of you, I would imagine. Or Vietnam. The terror, it's not just the war. It is the terror and the, the insecurity and the uncertainty that comes with hearing about, reading about all of these troubling events. And I'm using the word troubling because that's what Jesus did. Verse 6 again. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Troubled. In other words, bad news, as again we preached on Sunday night, is bad for the heart. As we noted, tonight's text is the parallel passage to our text last Sunday night, Luke 21, when we preached on the overcharged heart, the overburdened heart. For tonight, however, I want us to consider Jesus' counsel even further in as much as our Lord includes in all of His warnings, and there were warnings, take heed, remember we noted last week. He also includes these very powerful promises, promises and prophecies that include a crystal clear command. Wars, you're going to hear about them. Rumors of wars, trouble is nothing new. It is nothing surprising to the God of glory. And you know, as the Lord Jesus looked down upon Jerusalem from that western slope of the Mount of Olives on that Wednesday night, Jesus didn't just see the holy city. He didn't just see what would happen to him in just the next few days. He saw the entire scope of human events. Everything that would happen in the world down through the ages and again to this very night. Jesus saw and knew all the coming wars, all the rumors of the wars, all of the troubles from the destruction of the temple to the fall of Rome, to the Russian Revolution, to the World Wars, World War I and II, to the events of 9-11, to the attacks on Ukraine, to the current axis of evil. He saw all of it, every trouble in every corner of the world that would affect every believer in the world until the very end of the world. And as Jesus saw it on that mountaintop, he gave promise, a promise and a prediction that all of us need to hear and heed over and over again from the very heart of God. The text says, when you hear, when you get word that, that deep troubles are coming or have hit some people, when you get word that maybe, that's the rumors, then what? What does Jesus say to do? Study very carefully the eschatology of Matthew 24 and determine where you fall on the ah, pre-millennial calendar? It's all important. But unfortunately, people get so stuck with those things, they forget the counsel that Jesus gave to us. When you hear. Three things you'll notice. The first one we're discussing right now, and that's the truth about the future. See the wording of verse 6? And ye shall hear. 
It says at the last line of verse 6, these things what must come to pass. Now, look at all the shalls. Verse 7, for nation shall rise up. And there shall be famines, pestilence, earthquakes, and diverse places. Verse 9, then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, shall kill you, shall be hated, and then shall many be offended, shall betray one another, shall hate one another, and many false prophets, verse 11, shall rise and shall deceive many. And then finally, verse 12, we'll stop there anyway. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. When you shall hear. When you shall hear of actual troubles and actual war, and you shall hear of rumors of wars. In other words, Jesus knew what they didn't know. As a matter of fact, think about this, beloved. He knew that what they thought they knew was wrong all along. Namely, that he, as the Messiah, was going to usher in this golden era of peace and prosperity and security for their people. They thought, incorrectly, many of them did, that Messiah's first coming would mar the, mark the end of all conflict and oppression for the nation of Israel. That's what they thought. But here's what Jesus knew. Verse 6, And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. All these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Wait a minute, the end is not yet? Not after wars? Not after rumors of wars? Oh, no, no, no. Verse 7 says four. And then he goes in this long litany. For what? For nation shall rise against nation. Verse 9, they'll deliver you up to be afflicted. Verse 10, many will be offended and will betray one another. Verse 11, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Verse 14, and this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then, then the end shall come. Wow. So much for the kingdom. So much for Jesus slaying and, and striking down Rome and sitting on the throne of David. So much for the glory of Israel. So much for ending our troubles, in other words. This is bad news. By the way, including the worst, the most troubling trouble of all for these disciples. The real rumor and the real reality, the biggest bad news that they could ever imagine in their hearts. The rumor and the reality that would rock that nation to its core. Verse 1, and Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus, you know, they're proud of him. Look at these buildings. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. Now wait a minute. Here's the disciples, beloved. They're all sitting on the Mount of Olives that night, and they can see the torches and the lights down below. And with that glow, they can see the glory and the beauty of their magnificent temple. And it was a proud. And it was a wondrous national symbol, no question. Someone sent me an article from Israel with pictures of these discovered tile floorings from the temple, the one that we're reading about right here in Matthew 24 in our text. And I was looking at these tiles, these artifacts that have been had been buried for century after century after century because it's located in part because it's located in the Temple Mount, the part that the Muslims own. A few years ago, when the Muslims wanted to expand their mosque, they saturated the soil for construction. And lo and behold, they discovered these 2,000-year-old tiles 
These are tiles from the very same temple that Jesus walked on. And the apostles and the Pharisees. And I just stared at these beautiful photos and the first thing that struck me was just how opulent and how detailed and how beautiful just the floor of that temple must have been. Now I know it was beautiful. I've always known it was beautiful because King Herod spent fortunes of money for 85 years on this project and 50 years of those 85 had already been passed by the time Jesus looked down upon it. But seeing the actual tiles with the color and the design was a visual reminder to me that this temple was a wonder of the ancient world. So then what's the trouble? The trouble is verse 2, not one stone, Jesus said, is going to be left upon another. That would be unthinkable. You know, Jerusalem today still has a portion of the old wall. Just the wall that surrounded Herod's temple, the second temple. It's called the Wailing Wall today. Some of you, I think, have seen it. Put little prayers in it. It's still there. The wall is for the past nearly 2,000 years plus. But the temple itself, you realize that no two temple stones stand one on top of the other. A little over 20 years ago, you remember Flight 93 crashed in Pennsylvania before it had the chance to crash in either the White House or our Capitol building. It was headed to that. I mean, the idea that already the Pentagon had been hit in the World Trade Center, that was terrifying. But had they successfully destroyed our Capitol monuments, it would have been far worse for terror purposes, right, you think? But still not as bad as what Christians and apostles and first century Jews would see when Titus of Rome came and utterly destroyed their magnificent temple. Troubles. Rumors of troubles. Jesus said, this is coming. These troubles that as applies to the world of geopolitics refer to terrifying and unsettling events in and around our lives. Some troubles are shocking, like 9-11 was. I think you agree. That was a shocking night or morning. Others are just unsettling as they should be. You hear about North Korea's saber rattling with nuclear weapons. It's unsettling. Putin's unhinged threats and attacks on Ukraine. It's very unsettling to us sitting here in our comfort tonight, but it's devastating. It's destructive to men and women and children, boys and girls in Maripol right now. Venezuela is a country that's engulfed in violence and injustice and trouble all caused by socialist policies in this oil-rich nation. In Caracas, there's anarchy and starvation and violence and injustice and false arrests, the likes of which would rival any all-out war. And they're going through that right now. There have been troubles of late in Sao Paulo, where we have missionaries, shootings in California, Strange things going on in London and Mexico and Beijing, Iran, Taiwan. It goes on and on, as you know. All of which you hear, that's what Jesus said, you hear of actual things and then you hear of rumors of actual things. It gives people in the world this sense that something ominous, unimaginably dangerous is just around the corner. 
You see the dominoes of our own country with our debt and the trillions and trillions of dollars. And indeed, our Lord prophesied 2,000 years ago that it's going to happen. That nation will rise up against a nation, that this kingdom will rise against that kingdom. He said that people would hear not just what we call, call uh, rumors, but we hear news. It's news of trouble, rumors of trouble. And that's the truth. Jesus stated the truth. So I tell you what, let's embrace the truth. Let's not act like, oh no, I never thought, I never thought that our country would go to war again. I never thought that down here this war, I never thought that would happen. I never thought that there would be persecution. It's right there. The second thing, obviously in the text, is the trust. You see, what was the one thing that Jesus said about all, all of these troubles? Let's read it again, verse 6. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. Now wait, 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 wait. Think about this. The command of our Lord Jesus Christ, He said, when you hear the news of trouble or when you hear rumors of trouble or wars. He said, see to this. See to it. That's a strong word, right? Make sure you see to it that you be not troubled. No matter what the trouble is, war is about as bad as it gets. He didn't command us to ignore the news, deny the news, minimize or capitalize on the news. What he did say is do not be troubled by it. The word in Luke is terrified. Do not be terrified. By the way, I want you to think about this with me for a moment, okay? Because you guys watch Christian TV or you read books in the Christian bookstore and you read articles and you get magazines about the end times and everybody loves, loves things, about the end, love things about the end times. Isn't it strange how many so-called evangelists and itinerant preachers and booksellers, how many of them take every single trouble in the world and use it to put fear and dread into the hearts of God's people. Why do they do that? In other words, here's some end times preacher. He hosts a website. He might as well call his website Today's Terrifying Troubles. Because that's all he does. He, he, he says, here's a war, here's a rumor, here's another rumor, here's another one. And I want you to hear about this. It's today's terrifying troubles. And in every issue, his goal is the same. Run for the hills. Stock up, be afraid, be terrified, full of fear. And yet all the while that these kinds of end times ministries are flourishing all over the world and preachers that preach that draw the biggest crowds, all the while, in the eternal word of God, Jesus has already commanded us that when it comes to trouble, don't be troubled. You can look at these preachers and say, you're trying to scare me? Nope, Jesus told me not to be scared. I'd rather obey him than you. He says, neither. Don't be terrified. My Bible says, God hath not given us the spirit of fear. So if this guy's given you the spirit of fear, or this girl, I wonder who it's coming from. Because it's not the Lord. Well then, Pastor, why do they do that? 
Why do they see the Antichrist in every single calamity? Because that's what sells CDs and books. Troubles. More than confidence and trust. I promise you. Fear sells. Except, of course, with this book. The best-selling book, the greatest book in the history of the world. If our Lord says that we're not to be troubled when there's troubles and rumors of troubles, then we shouldn't be fearful about wars or rumors of wars. And there's got to be a reason why we shouldn't be. Because the natural thing for us to do, and me, is to be afraid for my grandchildren. I mean, that's going to be my response if America goes to war, or if war comes to America. There's got to be a reason why Jesus says, a basis for his people not to be terrified by all of these terrible events that he says are going to happen. And by the way, they're just on a global scale, and then he says they're going to persecute you on an individual scale. And they did, right to your home. So on what basis do God's people trust and not be afraid of bad tidings? Well, to begin with, it's a command. He says, don't do it. And that should be enough, but it's never enough for God's people, is it? It should be enough that Jesus says, see to it. You see to it. Look, if my, my dad said, hey, see to it that you do this, I, mean, I better do it. See to it that you're not troubled. But what else did he say? Look at verse 6. What basis? And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For, now he's going to give a reason why. For. All these things must come to pass. All these things must. Now, wait a minute. Does that make sense to you? Jeff asked me for a title. I didn't have a title. Just for, I was driving down the road. I texted while driving, sorry. Um, and as I said, okay, the title is, The Bad News is Also the Good News. Here's why. First, the Lord says, in the world, you're going to hear about Lots of rumors and lots of wars. There's going to be persecution, trials, troubles. Then he says, as a command, do not be troubled by it. Don't be. You're going to hear about it. You're going to hear about it. Our Lord Kutcher easily said there's going to be evangelists that are going to cram it down you all the time. But he says, don't be fearful. And then he says... For part of the reason for this lack of fear and terror is that these things simply have to happen. They must come. And based upon that, a believer doesn't need to fear. Now again, does that make sense to you? Does that make sense to you? Well, it does in part. Because the very fact that Christ Jesus knows that these troubles are coming, and then you see them happen exactly as he said, it's comforting. It is comforting because the one who knows, the one who's commanding me not to be afraid, is also the one who died for me, who rose again, who's now seated at the right hand of the Father, and is coming again. So that this is not Nostradamus telling me that these wars are coming and these troubles. This is not Brigham Young predicting the future. This is the eternal Son of God, my Redeemer, my Redeemer, my Savior, my friend. So, yes. The fact that he knows every trouble and every rumor that's to come 
is reason to be confident. In fact, in the parallel passages you find the word first, it says these things must first come to pass. That word first is simply a reminder that all these world events, that all of the wars that have ever happened or are going to happen, all of the wars and rumors of wars are under God's control and under God's command. It is a reminder that God has a timetable and a program and a plan. So that, you know what, to get to the end of the plan, which, by the way, is His plan, some things must occur, what? First. These things must come to pass. So now, read all of verse 6. And you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass. And then he says, but the end is not yet. I have a question. How does he know that? This was written 2,000 years ago. It was spoken 2,000 years ago. How does he know that after all the wars and rumors of wars, how does he know that the end, quote, is not yet? Jesus knows when exactly the world is going to end? Well, yeah. For the same reason that he knows that you don't have to be troubled by it. It's the same one who commands me not to be terrified. He is the Lord. He's your God. He's your Savior. Do you know what? Do you know that the Lord does not command us to do something that is grace does not give us the ability to do, to obey. Our God, our Lord, knows and knew the troubles that come and that are coming. He knows that they must, quote, first come to pass. And He knows when the end of these troubles fit into the plan of God. And knowing what He knows, He commands us and promises all of us, do not be troubled. Remember His last commission? Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. I am with you even to the end of the world. That means that he's not just uh, aware of the troubles. He's there in the troubles. Psalm 139, David said, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Or whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, behold, thou art there. That's a beautiful picture. Clearly, David saw a sunrise over the, over the Mediterranean. You've seen a sunrise, a beautiful morning, and you see the, the rays? That's the wings of the morning. And David said, if I take one of those rays and go all the way down to the end of it, as far as the eye can see, as far as eternity might take me, he said, if I take the wings of the morning, he says, behold, thou art there. In fact, in the next verse in that psalm, verse 10, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. It brings us to the third thing. We see the truth. We see the trust. But Jesus also gives them the triumph. Here in chapter 24, you see the troubles, right, that Jesus predicts just in this one chapter. You've read it. We've preached on it so many times. Just in this one chapter, of course, he tells them about, as we noted, the destruction of Jerusalem. Then he talks about wars, diseases, COVID. How could COVID ever have happened? Well, you know, maybe read. Pestilences, fearful sights. And then he warns about arrests and imprisonments and betrayal 
of God's choicest servants. All of it culminating in verse 9. Look at it. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. What in the world kind of halftime speech is that? <laughs> Hands in the middle, die on three. One, two, three, die. I mean, what kind of a positive perspective is Jesus giving his followers hours before he's going to die? Hours before he's going to leave them. Let he, remember what he said the last time? Let not your heart be troubled. But how in the world is that going to help when all of these troubles are going to roll out for centuries in the world? Well, for one thing, folks, it helps because it's the truth. He knows, you remember what he said back in verse 5? In fact, look at it. For many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ. And shall deceive many. I've thought about this so many times. That, that's a prophecy, you know. Because Jesus is alive. He's not gone yet. But he's saying, once I'm gone, many people will, are going to come up and say that they're me, that they're Christ. How did he know that? How did he know that way back on the Mount of Olives before his crucifixion? He predicted that many would come and claim to be the real Messiah. That's not normal that's not a thing in, in religion. Nobody ever said, I'm Baal. I'm the second coming of Baal. I'm, I'm the return of Buddha. I'm Muhammad's. I'm Muhammad. Here I am. That's not a thing. The second coming of Confucius. The real Confucius. Whoever said that never got a following. Let's put it that way. But many said, Jesus said, many would come and claim to be me. And you know, that's precisely, that is exactly what happened. And still happening. The Jewish historian Josephus wrote in his Antiquities that under Felix, there were so many people that claimed to be Christ. Of course, Jesus was gone. After that crucifixion, that quote, here's what he said, quote, they were apprehended and killed every day. Every day. And it's gone that way through, through history. Simon Barcoba in 135 A.D., David Alroy, Nissan Ben Abraham, Jacob Frank, Sung Young Moon, David Koresh, Jim Jones, Gregory. The list is endless. You see, here's the reason. Satan doesn't counterfeit a counterfeit. He counterfeits the real thing. Not even Hollywood would dare make a movie about the coming of the anti-Buddha or the anti-Krishna. But they make movies about the anti-Christ. Because he's real. And Jesus said there will be many. He's prophesying. We can look at these words written 2,000 years ago. Wow. He knew exactly what was going to happen. All of them, he, would, he said, would lead at the end of the age to the one final anti-Christ. And that would lead to the coming of Jesus. And the triumph, the triumph of our text, which is what? Well, it's verse 30. Look at it. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Pastor, with all these false Christs and false returns, how can we know which is real, which is not real? Well, that's what Jesus is telling them. You don't have to worry about that. You'll know. 
You don't have to worry about wars, the next rumor about who's Jesus, who's not. You don't even have to wonder if the real Jesus has returned because you're going to be snatched up if you're a Christian. And after that rapture, when he comes back, they'll know. They'll know he's coming in a cloud with power and great glory. I mentioned Josephus. One of the false Christs that he writes about in his book called himself, quote, the prophet. He convinced 30,000 unarmed Jews to follow him all the way to Egypt to do a reenactment of the Exodus. And Felix got word of it and he massacred all of them. That's not power and great glory. In the 5th century, there was a man named Moses of Crete. He convinced these Jews to cross that he was... He was uh, Jesus come again, and he convinced them to cross over from Crete to Israel. And they would have to go across the sea, and they could walk on water. Needless to say, when the day came that they all got there to walk on water like Jesus did, that whole movement was baptized by immersion. That was the end of that one. But you know what? All they had to do, all that anybody has to do is just, nobody would be deceived if they just read and believed what Jesus says. When he comes again, he's coming with power and great glory. When ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. And people say, I am Christ, the end is near, don't follow them. Just don't do it. None of them, not single one of them. And still don't be troubled. All these things must first come to pass. And when I do return, it won't be from down here. The Son of Man will return in a cloud with power and great glory. Nobody's going to question, they're going to know. Meanwhile, for us, it's pretty clear. And again, I say this again because people get stuck with all of these details. They forget what Jesus is admonishing them. Don't be afraid. Don't live in fear. Be not troubled. He goes on in here to say, Occupy till I come. He says, go into all the world. He says, rejoice ye in that day when trials come your way. And he says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, of power, and of a sound mind. The Son of Man is coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When I was a teenager, we would sing the chorus. Sometimes in our youth group, just the chorus of that hymn. And the chorus says, he's coming again. He's coming again. He is coming again. With power and great glory, we would sing that. And I would imagine that glorious day when we come with him in power and great glory. Let not your hearts be troubled. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, we're thankful for your word. And I pray, Father, we will recognize that in this powerful, very important text on eschatology, on end times, on the last days, and in the midst of all of this great, great teaching, there are these admonitions that we forget. That the wars and even the rumors of wars do not have to terrify your people. And that furthermore, these things must come to pass before the great, glorious return. And I just pray you'll help us to be faithful, faithful till the end. And being faithful, we give you glory in Jesus' precious name. Amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. 
If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.